You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly. I have a special guest with me, Ryan Delling, and we are excited to talk about some amazing things God's doing in the New York City area, bringing people together for hours and hours of worship and prayer, even on in tents and Times Square and in public places, bringing churches together to host the presence of God. And Ryan's a passionate worshiper. Uh, he's been the director of worship at Resting Place House of Prayer right outside of New York City for years and has a ministry called The Altar, where they have a podcast and they host meetings in their home and travel and speak and lead worship and uh, organize events. Just you guys are going to love Ryan. You're going to be encouraged today. If you're a worshiper, if you're a worship leader, musician, singer, especially, I think you're going to really want to tune in and listen closely and catch all that Ryan has to share with us today. Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope this podcast helps you to experience and host the presence of God because we believe God's presence changes everything. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on. I mean it. Awesome. Thank you, man. Well, we've we've gotten to have a few conversations over the years and kind of, I think, appreciate each other from a distance a little bit and, and excited to probably have one of the longest conversations we've ever had today. But would love for you to just take a minute, introduce yourself to our community here and let people know who you are and what you're up to. Sure, absolutely. My name's Ryan Delling. My wife, Sarah, and I, we live in the New York City area in New Jersey, actually, right outside of New York City. Long, long story short, my wife and I met in ministry where we came up under Bishop Robert Stearns. Some of you might know that name. Uh, We did our internship there and kind of got all of our training there. We met there. We fell in love there. My wife makes me say that, you know, that's don't leave that out. (laughs) We came up in ministry. And then after we were married, we really felt the Lord specifically calling us to move to New Jersey, move to the New York City area. And we didn't even really have specifics at the time. We really stepped out on faith. We had just had our middle child, two weeks old, and we moved when she was two weeks old, just packed up and kind of landed here in New York City and and said, all right, Lord, we're here, we're ready. And then we ended up getting reconnected with Ollie Farrell, who some of you know, who's the director of Resting Place, um, who we'd known for many, many years, but at that point, we kind of came on board with him and started running to build the house of prayer in this region. One of the unique things about Resting Place and really also what the Lord's put on uh, the heart of my wife and I since the beginning is the concept of unity in the body of Christ as it relates to the house of prayer. So you have the concept of 24-hour mm. worship and prayer, which most of us are familiar with, but also married with a true unity, not just, oh, I know that church and that pastor, and I kind of heard what they're doing, but really running together and saying, together, how can we all take our peace to just create a canopy of of day and night worship and prayer over this region? So that's really the heart of what we're doing with Resting Place. That's the heart of Resting Place. And while many people are leaving New Jersey to head down to you down in the Carolinas, (laughs) we moved in and we just know the Lord planted us here. That's awesome, man. I love that. I love the heart. Where did that desire or that vision for unity in the body of Christ come from for you? Because so many people, 
you know, they're just trying to follow Jesus, trying to take care of their family. They're in their own church. Where did kind of that idea for you begin to blossom where you started thinking beyond just my own little thing I'm a part of, but like thinking in terms of cities and regions? Sure. Well, you know, towards the beginning years, when I really started to understand about this idea of 24-hour worship and prayer and the house of prayer, I was very the opposite, actually, for me. I was very, very much, Mm. well, let's go and let's build something ourselves, and we are the house of prayer, and we have this revelation. Right. And a, a very unique story that I'll never forget is we went to lead worship at a church in the Bronx in New York City. So this is a a church culturally very different from what I came up with and we, what I came up under. We showed up with our acoustic guitars and our nice prayer set idea, you know, because we knew harp and bowl. We understood all of that. We had all the revelation, right? <laughs> so we went into this church and they were doing, I think, a 12-hour burn in the Bronx. And we went in and the, the church before us was that church from the Bronx. And they, for two hours, just called down fire. There wasn't even really music. There was some music in the background, but it it was like fiery, praying in tongues, prophesying, warring in the spirit for two hours. And I remember we got there early. So I sat in that set for a while and I, I felt the Lord just whisper to me and challenge me and say, you know, is what you're hearing not the house of prayer? Because it's not what you think it is. Come on. I, I kind of wrestled, not in a bad way, but I just chewed on that for about two months. And it was from that moment that I realized for what the Lord's really calling to build, specifically in New York City, which is just a city of cultures and nations. If we're really going to hit the mark, then we need all of the sounds and anointings and DNAs that are very different from each other, but yet so specific to accomplish in the spirit, I think what needs to be accomplished. So that's really where that unity piece started from that story. I love that. Wow, this doesn't like the house of prayer we we thought would look. I love that. It's beautiful. Now we showed up, we were ready to show everybody like this is how you do harp and bowl. And it was the opposite. We got schooled. Right. But such a good a good time. I love that. I think the the global prayer movement helps do the same thing. I think if if when you begin to touch and and become aware of of what God's doing in the nations and right you realize oh wait this looks a lot different than maybe what we are expecting here in the United States or even in just certain streams of what worship and prayer look like here in the US yeah yes the house of prayer for all the nations that's right and you know the other part of that is God is so so just big and ununderstandable. Like how can any stream right. or movement think that we've got worship figured out or we've got the model figured out Yeah, on our time in earth? We'll never get close to it, which is why we all need each other. We see other aspects of who he is and how he can be worshiped through the other streams. Yeah. Well, what's that look like for you guys there in New York city, trying to bring these different groups together? I know y'all have done some events together. You've been building relationships there. You probably have some cool stories. I'd love to to hear some of what God's been doing. You know, if I had to summarize kind of what we've been doing at Resting Place and whether it's out in Times Square and those types of things that we're doing, it really, first and foremost, it comes down to relationships. Uh, And I I know that can sound kind of cliche, but it really, the pastors and the, the ministries that are really running with this idea of regional worship and prayer, they... And we, we have a relationship together outside of those prayer and worship meetings. 
So we're getting together, we're talking on the phone. We have, there's many pastors I can just text and say, hey, I got a question about this. I would love your counsel. But there's really ongoing relationship, which then lends itself to doing events instead of the other way around. A lot of times we, as a body of Christ, we say, well, let's do this event together and then say that we're in unity. That's good. But I think what the Lord's done here is he's established really a foundation of relationship. So we can go do events or lunch or just talk on the phone. And it's really all coming from relationship. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Super important. So the relationship being the foundation you guys have have done some events together, and I would love for you to share about that too, even though I know that that's not primary, but you guys have gathered in Times Square for hours and hours of worship and prayer. That's amazing. We have. We've done it two, two summers in a row. We did 12 hours, 12 hours in Times Square. And first of all, getting permits in New York City <laughs> and all of that is its own- oh, I can't imagine. Its own ministry. <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> you know, it, t- it took us months and months and months- and uh, the insurance requirements and all the things. Let me just, I'll tell this quick story about, about how the event came about. Uh, it had been something that had been on my wife's heart and my heart for probably two decades, to be honest. Every time we were near, mm. you know, walk through Times Square, we just said, wow, what, how awesome would it be to have worship right here and just build an altar? And so we went through the process and took six months. We finally got the permit. I was holding the permit in my hand realizing, you know, you're holding it in your hand and it's 20 years of prayer and just a dream Mm -hmm. that you're holding there. And finally, while I was holding that, I felt like the Lord specifically said, I dare you not to call this event the altar, which is the name of our ministry. And it was kind of like, yeah, really God, you know, it was one of those, well, maybe I ate bad pizza and that's not the Lord, but long story short, we ended up calling it Ecclesia, meaning the church. And out of that, Many pastors came on board because it wasn't seen as just, oh, Ryan and Sarah are doing an event in Times Square. It was, no, the church is doing something together in Times Square. I mean, the Lord showed up both years. Even last year we did it. There was one pastor from the region laying hands on people, just praying for them, and people were getting delivered and falling out on the sidewalk, which I know is more of a charismatic stream type of thing, but it wasn't contrived. It was just real stuff happening real. on the streets. And so here's me and I'm me and all my faith. I'm like, my name's on the permit and my name's on the insurance. Be careful, you know, that right. but it was just it was just stuff that we, you know, I'd always dreamed of seeing, but actually if I'm honest, I never thought I would see. Does that make sense? <laughs> totally. How was it received for being right there? I mean, obviously there's tons of traffic and you're right in the middle of everything. I mean, what what was the atmosphere like? Yeah. You know, they say there's over 300,000 people that walk through Times Square on a, a good summer weekend day. Wow. I mean, it's, it's just constantly packed. But the amazing thing, I will, I'll say it like this, is the first time we did it, I wasn't sure if we were going to be laughed at or mocked or what to expect. But I'm telling you, especially after several hours of the 12 hours, there was just a, a sense of holiness right there on the street mm. that even the unbelievers that were there, I feel like they were aware of it because they would just come up and stand and they would get quiet and you could tell they were aware of something that was going on that was beyond just the natural. They were coming under that atmosphere. So it was really amazing to see that in a place like Times Square. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Are you going to do another one next year? 
I think so. I think, you know, we're going to talk about it in the next two months yeah. going back. And maybe we're looking at possibly Central Park oh, yeah. as yeah. another location. So keep us in prayer, whoever's listening to this, and <laughs> for wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. I've been a part of a couple conversations with people who have talked about trying to do something in Central Park. I don't know that it's ever, ever fully manifested, but that would be so cool. It would be awesome. So yeah. if it's time, we're going to do it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, that's amazing. I, I grabbed a copy of your book a while back, Uncompromised, Moving the Worship Movement into the Fullness of Its Future. I know you've got a, such a passion for worship and seeing worship and prayer grow in, in maturity. And I haven't read all of it, but I've, I've read a good chunk of it. So I thought maybe we could just probably take the rest of this time and just talk some about worship. What's in your heart? What you feel like, more importantly, what's on God's heart when it comes to how the church can grow in maturity, as you say, move into the fullness of what God has for you. And I think one of the things that stuck out to me was you speak specifically to mothers and fathers, and then you speak specifically to sons and daughters, kind of the generations. And typically, the generations haven't played well together in worship. Right. <laughs> and there have been wars over styles or the, those who maybe they experience a breakthrough in their generation, and then they just hold on to where they are and don't pass things off to the next generation. And then there's an arrogance that can come the other direction where we're the brand new cool thing and these old fuddy-duddies are, you know, want to do their old vineyard music or whatever it is, you know? Right. And so anyway, there can be some tension there in the generations, but I do believe, and I think you do too, that, that God wants generations to move together in unity. And there's a way there's a way forward in that. So any thoughts on that? Just kind of the generations and how do we come into maturity and fullness in that? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. It's just like you said, what we end up having in the worship movement is we have we have division between the fathers and mothers and the sons and daughters. And I don't, I never think that it's ever intentional, but yet there's always that divide that I I've seen a lot. 
the bottom line is I think it takes humility on all sides to really step into a true intergenerational walk. Yeah. I even noticed it in my own life. When we first came to Resting Place, I'm not super old, and I wasn't in the mindset of being a, a worship father or a spiritual father when we came to Resting Place, but it ended up that that's exactly what the Lord's plan was for my wife and I. And the way that I found that out is that suddenly I was in this huge ministry resting place has dozens of musicians and worship leaders from all across Metro New York that are part of it. So here I am in the position of just starting to be the worship pastor of these people. And there are people that I'm now over spiritually that can honestly sing circles around me. They can lead. I mean, they're just like, they're good. They're really talented, yeah. really gifted, really anointed, and a lot younger than me. And here's the thing. I had the power to make the schedules and to put them where I wanted. And I found myself even being tempted a little bit to suppress some of them so that I could maintain a place of leadership and platform. Right. That's really when the Lord downloaded everything I wrote in the book was that season in my life mm. where I realized, wow, my job is not to keep myself in the place that I've been for the past 10 years in worshiping, but my job is to actually father and disciple them so that they go farther than me. Yeah, And that was the shift. It's a lot easier said than done. And I really struggled and worked through that. That's where that those two chapters in the book came from. Yeah. How have you done that? How have you made that transition? I mean, I, as we're recording this here, I'm literally turning 40 years old here in the next week. So, awesome. uh, you know, you, as you get older, you, you start to think more and more about these things and more of your life begins to shift into how can I pour into the next generation? And really we should always be thinking that way, but of course, the older you get, the more that becomes primary. And so how have you, as you've gotten older and as you've, you've stepped into this, like, what, what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? Obviously it means not putting yourself on the schedule for all the main slots or whatever. <laughs> right. But what, what else does that look like for you? I mean, if I were to summarize it, it literally means taking a lower place and serving more. Mm. Um, and just that looks a thousand different ways. You have all, you have different people in different situations in life, different ages, different talent levels, but just being in that place of serving and saying, how can I serve this person in this situation today. Sometimes sometimes serving them is sitting them down and having that heart to heart and like, look, I'm going to give you some discipleship 101 right now. You may hate me, but I'm going to speak truth to you. That's serving them. Yeah. Sometimes serving is, you know, letting someone else, like we were just talking about, take the lead on that set that you were looking forward to this and it's a huge event and I'm on it. No, you know what? I'm going to co-lead with this person or even let them take the lead and I'm going to just play keys for them in the background. Mm. So it's all sorts of different ways. And I think, I think the key is just being really Holy Spirit sensitive mm -hmm. in each moment with each person and saying, Lord, what am I supposed to be for this person right now? And listen, it's, it's not always easy, but that's always the, the heart intent, at least when I'm coming from, is trying to do that to the best of my ability. So good. And I'd also love for you to speak to those maybe that are a bit younger on that are tuning in, who maybe they're in young adults. Let's call let's just say young adults, yeah. sons and daughters, right? What would be your advice, your wisdom for them? Yeah, if I, I think if I could say one thing to the the younger 
worship leaders and musicians and singers is I would encourage you, and I say this to all of our team as well, especially the younger ones, I would encourage you when you're in your place of worship, when you're listening to worship music or finding new worship music or even in your your own personal place, is try to discern not what moves you emotionally in these songs and the worship times, but try to discern where the anointing is and where the Spirit is. And that might mean, I think you said it, that might mean some of the old 90s vineyard or Hosanna or Maranatha <laughs> or older or hymns. So, so many times we think the anointing's on a certain style or group because if we're honest, it really moves us emotionally and it stirs us up. And, mm. you know, I have a friend, I know he's your friend too, Jamie Fitt from Philadelphia. Right. And I, I have to give him credit for this quote because I requote it everywhere, but he teaches on the difference between power and authority and how we have to understand the difference. You can have a powerful worship leader or worship song or a worship time that's powerful. Wow, that was a powerful time. And that person's so charismatic and all that. But that does not necessarily mean that there's authority in it. Yes. And some of the most authority-filled worship I've heard have been, for example, my Sunday school teacher growing up and her little out-of-tune guitar. Mm. That woman, Pastor Sheila, whenever she played anything, the heavens just opened up. And there was authority in what she right. did. So that's my encouragement because I think once we understand those differences— you you really begin to then move in a place where you're not you're not emotionally moved and you're not pulling on people's emotions, but you're moving in the anointing of the Lord, which is it really I've seen it transcend times and generations. That's why you can pull a song from forty years ago and it still has this oil on it. Whereas something that was maybe just written, you're like, that's a good song, but I just don't I don't necessarily feel that same depth on it. I'm sure you understand yeah. that well. You're a worship leader, and you've done it for a long time as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Love the point about authority. I think there's a, um, I mean, part of the authority comes, I think, from being sensitive to Holy Spirit and being obedient. Right. Yeah, I think some some of it comes from just your intimacy with the Lord, where you can just tell sometimes when somebody really knows Jesus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And when they lead worship, God's like, oh, yeah, I know this person. Like, I've gone and hung out with them when they've been singing before, you know what I mean? Right. And that's different than you've learned the skill of engaging people. And that's that can be a helpful thing. You want to be able to engage people, and you want to lead well practically. Right. Uh, but that's not the same as there being spiritual authority uh, when you do ministry. I think about it like David played his harp for Saul. He got to play his harp because he was good at the harp. Right. And and that's why they invited him in. But the reason his playing caused the demonic spirit to go is because he had spiritual authority. Absolutely. And those are not the same thing. But both can be helpful. But learning to discern that is important. Yeah. Again, speaking to the younger ones, I don't believe it's a either or with that. Just right. like you just said about David as the example. I really believe you can be excellent. And I would even say musicians and singers within the church leading globally, uh, even outside of the church and musically, that level of excellence, we can have that and we can have absolute authority and anointing and discernment both at the same time. I actually think mm. that's really what, when we talk about the, the 
heart of David or the spirit of David being released, I think that's a part of it, having both of those pieces, not just one or the other. And I think that's really coming to a whole generation. Come on. I love that. Well, kind of on a on a related note to, to this intergenerational is really the topic of discipleship. I know you've got a chapter on discipleship in your book as well. How, how do you understand discipleship? How do you think about that in terms of, of worship ministry? A lot of times in the worship and prayer world, we're so vertical. Our, our focus is really on, on we want to get in the presence of God. We wanna, we wanna, we're zeroed in on the Holy Spirit. And I would say sometimes to a fault, we neglect some of the horizontal ministry of discipleship or even evangelism and missions. And, and I don't think in God that there's any conflict in those, but I think sometimes in us, sometimes we fail to, to manifest what you call the fullness, right, of, of, of what God wants for us. So anyway, how do you think about discipleship when it comes to worship? Sure. I, I think, you know, first of all, specifically within worship and worship teams, it's so easy. As a worship pastor, I've been guilty of this many times. It's so easy to fill the spots on the team based on the need that the team has without any consideration about the person filling that spot. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I've been guilty of that many times, especially I think in smaller ministries when you just have that one electric player and you know like I need him on four services every Sunday for the next six months yeah uh or we're not going to have an electric player that's where the rubber meets the road with some of that totally Uh, but Jesus was always concerned with the person not just with the ministry and you know even the great commission you know go make disciples let me say it like this I would rather and I've came to the place where I would rather it just be me and the keyboard on a Sunday morning in the church, if we don't have the musicians who are ready, if I can't disciple people to fill those spots while they're playing music, then I would rather have a smaller team. I, I've had to do that for, you know, several months here and there in different churches and different places. But, you know, it's really trying to honor people as a priority. Yeah. I love that, man. I feel like there's Oh, there's so much we could we could say about all this. I know our time is beginning to wrap up here soon. We got a few more minutes, but I know you've got you've got your own podcast for the altar. I'd love for you to to, yep. to let everybody know about that. We want to make sure that people can connect with you guys and and glean from your resources and the things you guys are doing. Uh, we may have some people in the New York City region that want to jump in and 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 be a part of stuff there. So. Yeah, take a few minutes. What's the Altar Podcast all about, and what are some of the other things you guys are doing right now? Sure. Well, uh, my wife and I lead a ministry called The Altar, and a part of what we do, as you said, is uh, the podcast where I think like many podcasts, we just uh, had so many good conversations with our friends, most of who are in ministry, involved with Resting Place and in the region. We had so many good conversations around our kitchen island that we said, we just need to do this in front of microphones because I think it's really going to bless people. And so that's where the Altar podcast came from. It's just us and our friends talking about the things of God in a natural type of flow. So that's what we've done with that. That's our heart is for it not to be super scripted, but just to be conversational. And then the Altar itself has recently turned into uh, really, like I told you, it's kind of a house church. We just, we do worship in our living room with kids and dogs and <laughs> food and all that stuff and just the lords the lords just showing up yeah amongst hungry people who gather together and it's so exciting to me because i think uh, listen i'm not an anti 
local church person at all. I'm not an anti-church building person, and I'm not an anti-house church person. I think the Lord shows up where he's invited. Mm. And so that's what we're doing at the altar. We're just gathering together and worshiping and getting into the word. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I love it, man. This has been great. I feel like we could probably keep talking about worship for uh, another half hour. So maybe we can do another, uh, another conversation at, at some point. Yeah. A little, little part two and, and dive into a little bit more, but um, Ryan, I love what you guys are doing there in New York city. It's beautiful. I, I, lo- I know some of the other ministries that you're connecting with too. Love the, love them too. And I've never been to resting place, but I got to get up there you at some need point. You to. I know. You got to come up every Sunday and Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love come to come, up. come visit you guys sometime. So we'll make sure that we include the links to all your stuff and all the ministries and everything in the description so that people can find out more if they want to do that. So Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me.